Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators stress is just look at it as difficulty or resistance in your life in any area on anything difficulty or resistance so that is stress the differentiator between good stress and bad stress are your feelings towards it Right. And I said that the preparation can help change your feelings, but it's all about your feelings. If you're facing difficulty or resistance and you're afraid, that is going to become bad stress. It's going to drain all of your energy. You're afraid of this difficulty. On the flip side, good stress is when you have that difficulty or resistance and then you have an excited emotion or another emotion that inspires you to say, I want this. And a lot of that comes to do with having prepared for it. That's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. Know you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast. Because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people, unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? What would it take? Okay. You guys didn't hear this, but Garrett just literally went nuts on the bell. This is this is how we start the episode, huh? Welcome to the impossible. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Welcome to the Impossible Life Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nick Surface. I'm looking across at a man that every room he enters, he knows two things. One, it's very probable he's the most dangerous man in that room. Two, it's guaranteed that no one loves corn dogs as much as he does. That's right, friends. My co-host and former Navy SEAL, my colleague, Garrett Uncleback, a man who can crush corn dogs. One of those statements is true. Uh, the first statement is actually completely the opposite of what I believe. I, I learned at a young age that in any room you go into, you don't know who you're in the room with. Instead of saying, you can know who you are, but you also never know who you're sitting next to. So so, so what I love about that is that you just confirmed how much you love corn dogs, which I've witnessed firsthand. Oh, corn dogs are legit. I, I think it's so funny how much you love corn dogs, and I want to uh, highlight that with one of my intros. So I'm glad that we achieved that, uh, we achieved that in that introduction. So thank you for humoring me. He's looking at me like he wants to hurt me, and I'm feeling stressed. And that actually brings us to the topic of the day. 
how many times do you hear people, and it's almost like a badge of honor in the U.S. now, like, oh, I'm so stressed, I've got all this going on at work, and I've got to do this, and it is like a badge of honor. And what stuck out to me, a few weeks back when we did our, our episode on time management, you talked about how you learn in the SEAL teams to thrive under stress and pressure. And I think the statement you said was you actually had to steer away from purposely creating that for you, because you, you creating stress for yourself because you got so used to putting in your best performances under those conditions that yeah. you just wanted to create them again. One of, well, one of those was what I had to say, like, no, don't do that, is don't force myself, don't procrastinate yeah. just so that I can put myself on the clock because the clock is a form of stress mm -hmm. and I like it. I, li I learned to like stress and I had to tell myself, okay, it's not wise to put yourself on the clock just so you can have that stress of the clock because you perform well on the clock. There are other advantages that you're giving up by forcing yourself onto a clock. Yeah. Well, I do want to hear some more about how you, how you develop that and we will get into that. But let's uh, let's look at an interesting stat. We love stats here on The Impossible Life. So this is in the UK. So according to the Labor Force Survey done in the UK, 15.4 million working days were lost to work-related stress, depression, and anxiety in 2017 and 18. That's in the UK. That That is astronomical. 15.4 million days across the workforce. There's only, uh, I believe there's only 70 million people in the UK now. I mean, you think about that. That's insane amount of days to lose. And, and I mean, how many people do you know that are stressed all the time because of things at work? Yeah, I'd much rather hear that stat not from a general population, but from one person's life. Oh, man. I'd love to hear, like, the specific yeah. impact. Can you imagine that if somebody was able to go back and, like, dial into the stats of your life and say, hey, by the way, you lost, I don't even know. like, Yeah, you, where's the peak of the bell curve on people <laughs> losing days to stress? Yeah. Obviously, there's people at the bottom and at the top at the top who don't who lose zero days and at the bottom people who lose you know 175 days to stress but i'd be curious to know where the peak of the bell curve is on that one well and how many can you imagine if you had a stat that said like this is how many years you took off your life stressing about things that you couldn't control yeah <laughs> that would be terrible and it helps you zero percent yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's well a, it, just real quick you said stressing yes which is different than stress Huh, okay. Stress. Well, kind of what we're talking about here is stress from the external. Right. But when you said stressing, like stressing is in like internally deliberating, crying, feeling sorry for yourself, being afraid about things on the external. Yes. So when you put it in that way, in, a ver in the context of a verb, stressing, that's even different than dealing with stress. Stress is stuff that's happening to you. Stressing is like creating stress for yourself. But don't you think that so many people, my experience with stressing and stress and, and seeing friends and going through this myself is that it is created by yourself mo more often than not. It's that Mark Twain quote, like I, in my life, I've known a great many worries, most of which never came true. And I think that most people's problems that they create for themselves are in their head. Um, we both like that Epictetus quote that we posted and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he talks about, you know, it, it's not that bad things happen to you in your life, but it's the meaning that you apply towards those things that determines, you know, good or bad. And I think that a lot of people are in their head creating these stressful conditions that could happen that they're worried about that might happen. And, you know, whether they actually happen or not is kind of inconsequential at that point because you've already suffered. <laughs> You're literally committing yourself to suffering regardless of what happens, which is crazy. Yeah. Right? The Epictetus quote you're referring to is people are not disturbed by things, uh, but by the view that they take of them. Yeah. And that would it. be the stressing part. Yes. Yeah, that was the But quote. stress does exist just like it exists. And let's get into like what is stress, yeah. right? So if we're talking about science, 
or yeah, science stress, you know, like stress on a metal, stress on a building, it's pressure or tension. I'm trying to push you, compact you, twist you, turn you, move you from where you are. You know, the clock, it moves you forward. Mm -hmm. That's a form of pressure, right? And stress is pressure. That's the definition of stress. Stress is pressure or tension applied to an object. We are the objects feeling that pressure or tension, things that are moving us or forcing us to do something. And we are forced. What does stress do? When you stress a metal, you're forcing it to change, Mm. right? We're being forced to change by our environment, and it is up to us to respond how are we going to change? We get to choose hmm. the change, but the stress will make us change. Man, that's so good. So I'm sure you could see the light bulb over my head, as I always put it. So I'm talking about people stressing about things that are out of their control. You're talking about stress coming in, and it's forcing a change. So I'm what dawned on me was people's stress comes from the resistance to that change oftentimes. Would oh, yeah, absolutely. Fair? Yeah, no, you're stressing. Or you're, you were talking about worrying as well yeah. in the context of stressing. You're not even actually getting the external pressure, but you're worrying about this potential future external pressure that could be applied to you. Yeah, but it, you're a lot of times when people have that future external pressure, it is because of something that could happen. So it is possible. It's not like they're going, oh man, you know, unless you have an extreme case of there's going to be a meteor and I could die, that's extreme. But I think most people are like, man, things aren't going well right now at work or something, you know, something's a little bit sketchy that's, that doesn't go well. What if they got rid of me? Like, what if I, what if my income just dropped tomorrow? Like that would be a major stress for a lot of people that they, they carry the weight of. And when you were talking, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, all these external things are telling you what, you know, various possibilities that could come. And so one way to deal with this is just to convince yourself that that's never going to happen. And, you know, just head down, Mary, you're in bliss, you can, whatever. You can avoid it. Yeah. But what, okay, so let's just jump into that environment for a little bit and unpack it. You're the employee that's saying, what if I got fired? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's one way to look at your employment. What if you look at your employment in a different context? What if I became the number one employee? What if no matter what happens in our industry, I become someone to this company that they would never fire because mm-hmm. they need me no matter what? Yeah. All Those are just two different perspectives hmm. that could stand in the same place. I'm looking at potential opportunity or I'm looking at potential disaster. Right. And so, But that's my whole point. So you're taking the quote-unquote stress, pushing down the metal to use the analogy. In this case, the stress is difficult times coming, difficult financial times coming. And you're saying, well, rather than just saying, okay, well, this is – this is just going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm going to worry about it because it's out of my control. You're switching to the controllables in this case and saying, well, what is in my control? My, what is in my control is to be the absolute best employee so that they couldn't do without me. And in that case, you're allowing the stress to push you and make you better. So it's, it's, it's just a kind of, it's a shift of, a, of, of how you're approaching it. Sure. Before we even get into it, if I can just talk a little bit about some of my own experience with stress And this is such uh, an episode that I've been excited to talk about, and I love stress and pressure, and Nick knows that, and that's why he wanted to do this episode, thinking about some of the stress and pressure that I was put under. Yes. And where Hell Week is great, everybody does that, and that's one form of stress or or pressure, and I made it all the way to second phase, and then I failed pool comp, right? And pool comp is one that is super stressful and a lot of pressure for people. Now, where I, I wasn't necessarily afraid of that one. I liked uh, water challenges. I did fail the first time, failed for uh, being a 19-year-old who didn't understand attention to detail, mm. did not yet understand slow is smooth. I, I, three of my four tests, I failed for a twisted shoulder strap. Yeah. Right? Like the pressure wasn't necessarily bothering me, but Garrett also had to accept you're not performing appropriately. But that's not what I want to get on. Some of the stress and pressure that I learned, or some of the things I learned from that stress and pressure, 
is because we're, we're, we're what we've been talking about, Nick, is this future pain or this yes. future situation that we're going to be in. So pool comp, this test, won't spend a bunch of time talking about how awful it is, but it's super stressful. Like you're going to get th- put through a situation for up to about 20 minutes where you're fighting drowning the whole time. It's very difficult. And before you're and that te- during the test, you're under stress, yeah. right? Extreme pressure and tension is being put on you. But so oftentimes, students sitting on the pool deck waiting for their turn are feeling more anxiety and pressure than they feel during the test. Mm. Once the test starts, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Like, yep, I'm about to get my head pushed into the, the side of the pool, whatever. Like, that's how you feel about it in that moment. But we were up on the pool deck and your heart rate was 147 because you're so afraid of what's coming. Mm. That is a, that's where you're at as a student. But what you learn throughout the SEAL teams, and there's not one SEAL who hasn't experienced this and learned it and grown from it, is that there's nothing you can do in that pre-anxiety state. And where you learn how to be someone who's like, yep, I'm about to get drowned. I'm just going to sit here and chill till it happens, hmm. right? Where Because, I mean, think about it. You're sitting there in the pool deck knowing this test is coming for you. And also while you're sitting there in the pool deck, you see students come get ripped up out of the water by an instructor because that student's unconscious. He just passed out under, he just drowned. Hmm. And you see that student get pulled up on the pool deck and you're not sitting near the edge where you can look in the water. You know, you're 30 feet back. So you just see this student get thrown up out of the pool unconscious because he just drowned underwater from the brutality of this test. You see him get resuscitated and then he comes back and gets in line and sits down behind you, but you can't talk. Like you want to talk about a stressful environment? It's extremely stressful. What SEALs learned is that there's nothing that I can do in this moment to make that moment any easier other than relax and prepare my mind. Yeah. A really stressful environment. This is something SEALs get exposed to all the time. And if you look at where a lot of SEALs have died, it's in helicopters, right? Flying to the target, not getting shot on the ground, getting shot or blown up in the air in the helicopter. Super stressful environment. You know what most SEALs are doing on the ride to the target in the helicopter? Sleeping? Sleeping. Hmm. They just, you know what? There's nothing I can do in this moment. Even if we start taking fire, I mean, yeah, maybe I'll sit up and, and hear what's going on on the radio and then just put my head back down. Even if we are getting shot at, I'm not flying and there's nothing I can do right now. What I need to do is prepare for what's coming. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shift. It's a mind shift towards pressure and removing this fear and anxiety of what's coming for me and instead thinking, how do I prepare? And at that, the reason a seal is sleeping in the helicopter is because he's not, he knows he's completely prepared for this mission. He's not sitting there with his red light on like, okay, what are we supposed to do after this point? Mm. No, he is prepared. All I should do is rest my mind. I should just rest. Mm. Like when you are, when you are about to, when you're flying through a combat zone and you're about to land in a combat zone and get into a gunfight and what you're doing is sleeping before you're probably prepared, man. That we could just end the podcast right there. That's, <laughs> but that's the right relationship yeah. with pressure versus the wrong relationship with pressure is that student sitting on the pool deck, pacing, heart rate 147, or us and our lives where whatever it is, it's COVID next year, it's potentially getting fired, all these potential pains, yeah. difficult situations that we're putting all of our energy into being afraid now versus resting and saving our energy for the moment. Or like you said, I mean, you, you your response to me giving you, and that was impromptu guys. We planned this podcast like we always do very quickly, but this is, 
very impromptu. I gave you that impromptu about what most people are stressing about, which, and I thought that was a realistic example. And your immediate response was, well, make yourself the best employee. And that's a complete diversion of your energy. And, and what you're basically saying is prepare yourself better, but prepare yourself so that if that happens, you're not going, oh crap, I wish I would have had my resume. Or well, that's I wish why I most people should be entrepreneurs instead of employees in this world, or at least take your future yes. into your own hands. I, I remember when I, when I left my job and said, I'm going out on my own. And my wife is, you know, we were having that kind of conversation of like, what if I go, well, at least in this, in my, what if entrepreneur world, I get to drive yes. instead of being a yep. passenger in somebody else's car. And I'm looking at my, at the driver of the car I was in saying, I'm a better driver than you. I'm going to go drive my own car. Yes. And we're both entrepreneurs and we're both self-employed. I would, I say this to people all the time. If you think that you're safe because you're quote unquote employed, you're lying to yourself because if they really want to get rid of you, ask yourself if you think that there's, that there's enough laws that they're going to have to keep you. We all hear the examples of the people who work the system and nobody get can fire me. Well, exactly. Because you work for yourself. Exactly. I, it, I just think, I think that the level of security that people feel is a false reality in my opinion, because we all know so many people that one day they came to work and something out of their control happened. And they're like, Hey, we're laying off like 500 people and you're one of them. Yeah, you you were really great. We sure loved you. Yeah, and here's two months' pay. We got rid of your position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's what that's all you're getting. If you're a really great employee, best you can get is some severance and uh, you know a sorry on your way out the door. Yeah, and that's I mean yeah. Anyways, that's that's we're getting a little bit diverted there, but well, it's okay. It's we're talking doing. about yeah. we're talking about your perspective and yes. how do you look at your situation because same you know in the same way that sitting on the pool deck, you know, one student is 150 heart rate and the other one is just relaxing. You could be sleeping in the same way that seals in the helicopter on the way to a mission where they're, you know, they're going to get shot at. Or maybe even the la- the night before that, one of the, somebody on their team died. Those guys are sleeping in the helicopter on the way to the target, right? Mm-hmm. You could be that way, or you could be the person who's sitting up in the plane, like literally losing your mind because you think, what if I die tonight? Right, man. Yeah, that's powerful. And, and I mean, there's so many things we could take away from that, but I think one of the things you touched on there, and we're talking about how you frame stress to make it, you know, good and bad stress. Cause I mean, realistically in all those scenarios we just gave, it was the same circumstances. It was how you processed it and what, what ingredients you combined it with. Right. To make so it there's some bad. So let's, let's break, let's separate this into two categories and talk about, I guess for this situation, I don't always do this, but in this situation, let's use the example of those seals on the helicopter, yeah, okay. right? Going into that situation. What is it? So the first thing we've talked about so far is, you know, Epictetus. People are not disturbed by things, but by the view they take of them. Mm -hmm. That is a part of it, right? Those seals have a specific view of what they're going into. And I can tell you that that is a prepared specific view. Mm -hmm. If you are, if you are at that point where you are a seal in a helicopter flying through a combat zone about to go assault a target, you have a prepared mindset of you've reconciled a long time ago that I could die at any moment. Mm. And it's not just because, you know, I'm in a combat zone. Like most people live so afraid of death because they've never reconciled that. I've never, I've, I've pretended that it's not coming for me anytime soon. I'm so afraid to think about it. I'll just ignore it. Well, when, you know, for me is 21, 22 years old, you're forced to reconcile with that. You can't avoid it anymore. So the first thing, the first part of separating good stress from bad stress, right? Because, and this is really the whole prompt for the podcast. Nick asked me, and and this is what he wanted to talk about was, you know, I had said before that pressure had made me perform better and I, and I learned to like pressure, which is stress. 
So there's good stress and there's bad stress. There's stress that weighs us down. There's stress that takes energy away from us. And there's stress that builds us up. There's Mm -hmm. stress that can even make us perform better. Yeah. And it helps to be competitive for stress. But we'll get into that here in a second. So the first thing in separating good stress from bad stress or something that will pull you more towards good stress or pull you more towards bad stress is like Epictetus said, just simply the view you take Mm -hmm. of it. The next, the second big thing is preparation, right? Right. How do you prepare? The reason those seals are not afraid is because one, they could die from uncontrollables and that is beyond them. And they've already chosen to be there. So I'm going to sleep on the helicopter because I chose to go on this mission. I want to be on this mission mission, and I have no control over getting blown up in a helicopter. So I might as well just sleep because I'm already prepared. And then the, the, the second part of that, not being overwhelmed by fear and pressure when they're on the ground, it's because they know the target that they're go, about to go assault, they've prepared for it, they're better trained than the enemy, the enemy doesn't know they're coming. There's all these advantages that yeah. they have where, yes, we could die tonight, but we've put ourselves in an advantageous po- position for this. Flipping back to the other scenario we were talking about before, maybe you're afraid of getting fired because you haven't put yourself in an advantageous position. Mm -hmm. You're the one that's getting attacked, not the person that's on the assault. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should change the way that you live and the way that you work to where you're on the assault and the fight for your employment. Like you're the one that they're going to keep, not the first one that they're going to get rid of Mm -hmm. and you won't be so afraid of it anymore. So the view that you take of things and then your level of preparation have a lot to do with the difference between good stress and bad stress. Hmm. Man, that's powerful. So bad stress, something that seemed consistent with that was that there was just fear and negative emotions mixed in with that. I mean, you said fear, afraid so many times. In the SEAL example, it was of death. In the work example, it was of being fired. And it was basically focusing on things that are outside of your control in in many of those. So focus comes into this as well, I would say. Yeah, so... Kicking out of this conversation, the internal stress that we just create, you mm-hmm. know, make it, creating smoke out of nothing. When you've got real stress, external stress that's happening to you, everything from a death in the family to dealing with a difficult job situation, dealing with difficult people, stress is just look at it as difficulty or resistance in your life in any area on anything, difficulty or resistance. So that is stress. The differentiator between good stress and bad stress are your feelings towards it, Mm. right? And I said that the preparation can help change your feelings, but it's all about your feelings. If you're facing difficulty or resistance and you're afraid, that is going to become bad stress. It's going to drain all of your energy. You're afraid of this difficulty. On the flip side, good stress is when you have that difficulty or resistance And then you have an excited emotion or another emotion that inspires you to say, I want this. And a lot of that comes to do with having prepared for it. If you've dreamed of, you know, making the game winning shot since you were a child Mm -hmm. and you've been like Michael Jordan, I'm sure before he ever made the game winning shot, the buzzer beater, how many fake buzzer beaters in his driveway had he made a million, two million by the, when the time came for him to make his first, and I don't even know if he made his first NBA buzzer beater or not, but when the time came for Michael Jordan to make his first game-winning buzzer beater, I, can, I, I know for a fact he wanted that ball. You know what it was? It was actually his sophomore year at UNC. He hit the well, shot. I was thinking Georgetown. NBA, but yeah, what's what's the, the one in his soft, where he became famous? And he said the quote that he says is he he went from Mike Jordan to Michael Jordan whenever he hit that shot. It was the NCAA championship against uh, Georgetown, I believe, and it was Patrick Ewing who was on the team, a guy that he would basically torment for his whole career. 
and he hit the game-winning shot as a sophomore for UNC. Um, and and it was a famous shot. It was just a pull-up jumper. He got he got it. Boom, nailed it, and that was it. And I mean, but he wanted to be yeah, in that moment. He wanted, it. and that's yeah. the difference. So, and we're not there yet. We're not concluding. But I would just have a question for the listener of if you've de- if you're dealing with a bad stress, are you in a bunch of environments that you don't want to be in? Mm, and sometimes. Good. Sometimes there there's certainly things that you don't want to be in, like a family member dying. Yeah. But also remember that your life is not about you. It's about other people. Yeah. And what do you need to be doing in this situation for your own mission, for your own destiny, for the other people that count on you? I would tell you it's probably unless you know, unless it's like your spouse that died and, and I'm not trying to dig into this thing, but the your role in whatever that you're in is usually not to to just feel sorry for yourself mm. or to be hurt. You have a role that goes beyond that. Yeah. Man, I like that. I feel like every time you start talking about something and we're looking at a specific topic like stress in this case, I feel like so many other things that we talk about, and we've talked about clarity. We've talked about, you know, having a, a mission-focused mindset. We've talked about awareness. You know what I mean? And we've talked about all these different things. And now as you're sitting there, you're saying, hey, if you're sitting there feeling stressed about this, ask yourself, is this, a, is this even a place where you want to be? Is that where the stress is coming from? That's such a big picture question of awareness that and actually having clarity in your life and what you want that comes. That's like a route that we've talked about. I don't even know how many episodes back and, and it all ties together all the time. And I love that. Let me just dig into the, you know, this is a place that nobody wants to be. Yeah. You know, someone dying. Let me just talk like, what if Lindsay died mm-hmm. in my life? Like, that would be awful. It'd be the worst thing to me. I would mourn my wife and I would miss my wife. And the, really all that I would want to be thinking about is the the great memories that we had, all the ways to celebrate her. What I wouldn't want to be doing is being afraid of, you know, what am I going to do with my child? What am I going to tell my child? What will my life be like without her? Yeah. All these things that I cannot control. Yeah. If you focus there and then the, the majority of your emotions are fear from a wrong focus, that's when it becomes bad stress. Hmm. That's a great example. I think that is those like nobody would ever think that a family member dying could be good stress. Hmm. But you would you would look at it as I would do that. Why would I? It doesn't have to be bad stress. It's a bad thing that happened. It is not the things that happen to you. It's your view of them. Right. Right. So if that happened to me, I would try to view it in the best way that I could because I can't change it. So you might look at it as an opportunity for you to step up as dad in a whole new way and, and be there for grace. And Yeah, well, I mean, all you can try to do out of a bad situation is make good come out of it, hmm. not just sit there and be sad about it. It, it doesn't help. Hmm. No, you're exactly right. I, I think that that's such a powerful, practical example, man. I appreciate you going into that personally. Uh, I feel like we've gone way off off topic, but let's, let's, let's recenter ourselves. So you talked about the way to make things good stress is A, is what was the first step? I, I remember preparation was the second step. First step was well, it's, it's our view. So there's the two, it's preparation that was the second. The yeah. first is the view that we take of them. It's yes. like the Epictetus quote: right. the way that you think about your stress is really what defines what type of stress that it is. Hmm. That stress of a difficult employment, right? Yeah. Do you choose to make? Are you going to focus on being afraid of losing your job, or are you going to focus on how do I bring the best version of myself every day and become the the employee that, that would never get fired? Yes, yeah, so you can apply that. All right, so a lot of people are going to be, this is going to be released, uh, I believe it's right before Christmas, like two days before Christmas. So there's going to be people out there who are going to be going, man, I have to see these people for the holidays. People stress about the holidays a lot, which, you know, it could be viewed as kind of ridiculous, but I think a lot of people do. 
So talking about what we're going into the holiday stress, you've talked about a few things. A, it's the the meaning you're going to put on it about what's coming in, and B, it's also your preparation. So there's a couple things that yeah, we, I would say most people's holiday stress is a lack of preparation. Right. I, and you said something to me once. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Hey. Take a negative off, uh, Zach. I actually interrupted Garrett. That's like a negative one for me. I uh, wasn't your first, but it's okay. <laughs> you got your own counter over there, huh, champ? <laughs> oh, in his head. Okay. I actually don't doubt that. How many interruptions have I have I had? Four? Is that actually accurate? Are you kidding me, man? I think so. That was just uh, uh, educated guess. It's what it f- feels that, like about four. That's actually amazing. Zach's confirmed Oh, well, I don't correct. know if it's true or well, not. Well, Zach's so. saying yes. Okay. Wow, that's an impossible life miracle. Anyways, um... <laughs> But yeah, the preparation. It's so like you, when my wife asks me what time it is, and I tell her without looking at my watch. She's like, "How do you do that?" I'm like, "I don't know." You just like, no, you don't. You don't know what time it is. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. You actually said that when we were hanging out the other day. So we tested you, and you were within ten minutes of it, which was impressive. Anyways, but so for the holidays, I mean, one of the things you talked about beforehand, and I love this. You and we've mentioned this before on the podcast. You say to make things non-decisions, and you do this in the SEAL teams because you guys would play out scenarios as much as possible beforehand, so everyone would already know how to how to react. It wasn't like, well, if yeah, you you don't want someone get shot. And you're like, what do we do? Right. So for the when, holidays, when someone gets shot, I mean, there's like four non decisions in a row. Exactly because you've already prepared. Thank you, Zach, for clocking. That was two right there. Uh, but because you've prepared beforehand, so in holiday stress, this might be something like, hey, if the kids get in a fight over toys, here's how I'm going to react. And and you call those non decisions. And I've utilize that a lot in my own life to just I would I would jokingly say to someone, you know Christmas is the same day every year, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like so, why are you in the same situation? like, okay, you're in a bad situation. Twelve months later, at the exact same time for the exact same reason, I'm in the same situation. That's yeah. called stupid. Right. Well hey, you know, if you're ever feeling stressed about holiday or your spouses, send them to Garrett. You know, we'll have a live you If you ever want to hear the truth, maybe in a way that you haven't heard it before, maybe I can help you with that. Remember. All I'm offering is the truth. <laughs> Morpheus quote. Um, yeah, so but I want to apply some of that thinking specifically to the holidays. So first of all, you could look at this and say, hey, we're having a bunch of people over. Oh, man, you know, this is a lot of stress. I got to do X, Y, Z. I got to get my, my house ready. I got to do this. And you could look at that as a bad thing. Or you could reframe it straight away and say, hey, I'm going to make my house. My house needs to be clean anyways. I might as well make use this as an opportunity to make it the best clean and I, I can do. And I get to do this. We're going to have yeah, such a great time. Exactly. Put some holiday music on and dance around while you clean. Make it fun. Like, that is all in maybe, your power. Maybe don't make it about you. Like, oh, I have to spend all of my time hmm. cleaning the house like you a you got a house yeah like, true so many other things gratitude. And, and we have a gratitude podcast so we do if you're like stressed and frustrated about christmas even if you don't have a dollar in your pocket you live in america yep. you live in the land of opportunity you're still alive you have a million things to be grateful for so I know Nick brought up holiday stress, but if you're struggling with that, maybe go back to the gratitude podcast. I, yeah, and I just I just thought it was a practical example to apply some of the things that you've talked about as far as what makes stress good or bad. So, okay, we want to have a mindset shift. Maybe somebody has struggled with anxiety, and a lot of people do struggle with anxiety. And what I would say, based on what we've talked about, what I know from my own personal struggles with anxiety and stress, is there is a thought process and and that is happening that they're probably not aware of that is causing a lot of the stress internally and they're not viewing it the way that we've talked about on this. So how would you suggest to somebody to shift from man, something negative is happening and like 
in my point, it was pain avoidance. And you're like, oh, you start, you know, you've told me the anticipation of pain is worse than the actual pain itself. And you talked about that in phase two here on this podcast. Oh, it's a huge lesson all through Buzz is the, or when you know a beatdown's coming that you've earned, the anticipation of the beatdown is worse than the actual beatdown. Yeah, the unknown run. You well, said. Yeah, once you start doing that, yeah, the unknown run too. Once you start doing the beatdown, you're like, oh, burpees, buddy carries, like, this sucks, but I've done this before. Right, exactly. But in life, like, so many people are caught in this cycle and they're just stressed and they're down and they're anxious and they're not responding to it well. So how would you, you know, talk me through what you would say to shift somebody through? Ask the question again. I'm okay. not sure I, I so, understand Okay, So the somebody, somebody, has re- somebody repeatedly is dealing with stress and anxiety and it's a negative emotion. We've talked about stress can be good or bad. How would you shift somebody from bad stress to good stress? Obviously, it's the oh, same circumstances. Yeah, that's, that's easy. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to do, but it's simple to diagnose. Yeah. The question would be like the feelings that they're having. Like, what are the negative feelings you're having about your situation? How can you change your feelings? How can you prepare differently? Hmm. You can choose to let this stress make you great. Like the people are stressed out and it's bad stress when you show up for the test that you didn't prepare for and you've been nervous about the test the entire time and you've spent all of your energy worrying about the test and not actually studying instead of studying for the test and feeling great about the test and get it walking in there and crushing it. Hmm. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. That whole it's, thing. It's yeah. Again, it's everything that we said. So, like to to answer your question or to diagnose somebody's stress, we literally just explained it. Like it's the view that you take of it, and it's your level of preparation. And then other than that, everything else is just uncontrollables, and it doesn't matter. Hmm. Now that's something that we haven't really t- we've touched on, but we haven't actually said controllables and uncontrollables is a huge part of of. I mean, you you talked about some. Of the I believe you. When you say that we haven't talked about that on this podcast, but I felt like we have, but that's okay. Yeah, controllables and uncontrollables, it's what Epictetus is referring to when he says man is not disturbed by things, but by the view that they take, that they take of them. It's from Stoicism. Life is divided into two categories, and that's not exclusive to Stoicism. It's a truism. It's that life is controllables and uncontrollables. Don't spend all of your time worrying about the things that you can control. Focus on the things that you can. Right. And most people's worry, anxiety, depression is about uncontrollables and things that have never actually happened. Hmm. Man. So that, so you kind of touched on how you would diagnose it. I mean, you would first, you would just say, okay, where's your focus, right? Like, my my diagnosis for most of people's problems is two words. Stop it. (laughs) You love that. I don't know why. It's so true. It's yeah. Yeah. Bob Newhart, old uh, Mad TV sketch. If you haven't seen. Yeah. Well, I, I, is there anything else that you want to add, Garrett? I feel like we've kind of we've kind of diagnosed it and broke it down. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a simple isn't easy episode, but really the truth is those guys who are great, powerful performers, they're the, they're the ones who have dreamed about that moment and the moments that other people are afraid of. These people have longed for. So when that moment of truth comes for them, whether it's the game winning shot or the final putt for the green jacket or whatever it is in your life. If you've wanted it your whole life, if you've got the right energy, you're thinking about, I want to win, I know I can win, and you've prepared to win, when the moment of truth comes for you, you're going to relish in it. Versus the opposite, when you've spent all of your time hoping that the moment of truth yeah. would never find you, you've focused all of your energy on, man, what, what would it be like if I fail? What am I going to tell my friends yeah. if I fail? What would my next job be? If that's where you spend all of your energy, when the moment of truth finds you, you'll get crushed by it. Mm. So, so if we had to wrap it up and summarize, if you're in, if you're looking at your stress, you would start with a, you know, what about this is making you feel negative? And then B, 
how could you make it? How could you you use this to to make it something positive? What's the number for you? one thing I can control? Yeah, always my thoughts and my feelings. Yeah, or your attitude, like Viktor Frankl talks about in Man's Search for Meaning. So one thing that you can always control is your attitude, your thoughts, and your feelings. So I would start there with people. Like, mm. what are the thoughts and feelings that you're choosing about your situation? And that in and of it, of itself is usually not a mind shifter, but a mind exploder for people. Mm. What do you mean that I can choose my thoughts or choose my feelings? Yeah. It's funny because you and I, we're, I feel like we're around that all the time with Pastor Keith and stuff. He's so good about talking about that. And it's, you know, obviously I interact with all sorts of people, same as you. And sometimes something like this will come up and I'll bring something like that. And I actually had a, a conversation with uh, one of my colleagues about this this week. And he was like, man, you're getting really deep. And I kind of had to reframe. <laughs> I, had, I had to pause myself because I was like, this, because I'm so used to having these conversations yeah. with, with brothers that we have and friends that we have where we're just like, hey man, like what meaning are you giving this, giving this, like you need to reframe this. And for us, we're like, oh yeah, you're right. And we just switch into it. But for somebody that's not in that habit, it's like, oh my gosh, like that, that's a game changer. And and truly it is a game changer. Most people think that feelings are just things that are assi- assigned to them yes. that they have to take in. Yeah. That they're out just like those people at the mall that hand you something and mm-hmm. you're like, and you just take it. Yeah. Man, well, I hope that you guys have all enjoyed that. I hope that you're looking at this and you can now go, okay, I'm going to take these stress and I'm going to make it something good. I'm going to use it to make myself better. I'm going to focus on the controllables. And when stress and pressure come, I'm going to be ready to perform even better because I've been prepared for them. So So, I actually have a challenge for people. Okay. My challenge would be to any listener, take the thing in your life that causes the most negative stress, like... And maybe this is something that you're like, no, that's, I mean, that's just bad stress. It's just what it is. Think about that thing that is really causing you the most stress in your life and really diagnose it. Take yourself out of the equation and see if you can turn that most stressful, negative, stressful thing in your life into a good stress situation. How can you think about it differently? How can you prepare for it differently so that when that moment of truth for this stress comes that you want it and you know you say I'm going to win in this situation instead of being afraid to lose before you ever step on the starting line. Thank you very much for listening guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at the impossible life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossible life podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plungers should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plungers shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.